Hello, I'm Joanne Diaz. And I'm Abram Vanningen. And this is Poetry for All. In this podcast, we read a poem, discuss it, learn from it, and then read it one more time. Today, we're taking a close look at Naomi Shihab Nye's Gate A4. Naomi Shihab Nye is a Palestinian-American poet. She is incredibly prolific and has received countless prestigious awards for her work. Her newest collection is titled Everything Comes Next, Collected and New Poems, published by Greenwillow Books just this past year. Abram, would you please read this poem for us? I would be happy to. This is Gate A4 by Naomi Shihab Nye. Wandering around the Albuquerque airport terminal, after learning my flight had been delayed four hours, I heard an announcement. If anyone in the vicinity of Gate A4 understands any Arabic, please come to the gate immediately. Well, one pauses these days. Gate A4 was my own gate. I went there. An older woman in full traditional Palestinian embroidered dress, just like my grandma wore, was crumpled to the floor, wailing. Help, said the flight agent. Talk to her. What is her problem? We told her the flight was going to be late, and she did this. I stooped to put my arm around the woman and spoke haltingly. Shudoa, shubiduik, habibti, shtani shwe, minfadlich, shubitsui. The minute she heard any word she knew, however poorly used, she stopped crying. She thought the flight had been canceled entirely. She needed to be in El Paso for major medical treatment the next day. I said, no, we're fine. You'll get there, just later. Who is picking you up? Let's call him. We called her son. I spoke with him in English. I told him I would stay with his mother till we got on the plane and ride next to her. She talked to him. Then we called her other sons just for the fun of it. Then we called my dad, and he and she spoke for a while in Arabic, and found out, of course, they had ten shared friends. Then I thought, just for the heck of it, why not call some Palestinian poets I know and let them chat with her? This all took up two hours. She was laughing a lot by then, telling of her life, patting my knee, answering questions. She had pulled a sack of homemade mamul cookies, little powdered sugar, crumbly mounds stuffed with dates and nuts from her bag, and was offering them to all the women at the gate. To my amazement, not a single woman declined one. It was like a sacrament. The traveler from Argentina, the mom from California, the lovely woman from Laredo, we were all covered with the same powdered sugar, and smiling. There is no better cookie. And then the airline broke out free apple juice from huge coolers, and two little girls from our flight ran around serving it, and they were covered with powdered sugar, too. And I noticed my new best friend, by now we were holding hands, had a potted plant poking out of her bag, some medicinal thing with green furry leaves. Such an old country tradition. Always carry a plant. Always stay rooted to somewhere. And I looked around the gate of late, and weary ones, and I thought, this is the world I want to live in, the shared world. Not a single person in that gate, once the crying of confusion stopped, seemed apprehensive about any other person. They took the cookies. I wanted to hug all those other women, too. This can still happen anywhere. 
not everything is lost. Ah, such a good poem. Oh, I love this poem so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's a wonderful poem, but I have an opening question for you, which might occur to some of our listeners. Why is this a poem? (laughs) It, It sounds so much like a story or a remembrance or just a retelling of something that happened at some point. So what makes this kind of thing a poem? Okay, so for those people who might be listening and not seeing the poem, if you look at it on the page, these almost look like small, maybe verse paragraphs more than stanzas. And, you know, I taught this poem multiple times. It's just, it's one of my all-time favorites. And this is a question that comes up with my students. And most recently, when I taught it in an advanced poetry workshop, one of my students, William Brown, he had a beautiful statement. He said, It's a poem because the poet has decided that it's a poem, which is to say, (laughs) right? I mean, it's it's appearing, you know, I first encountered this poem on the Academy of American Poets website, and it's frequently categorized as a poem because the poet thinks it's a poem. And I I thought that was amazing that that sort of answered the question for me. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not insignificant, though, that the poet calls it a poem, right? Because. For example, if the poet had called it a very short, creative piece of nonfiction, we wouldn't be talking about it here. This is a poetry Mm -hmm. podcast. And so by calling it a poem, it actually changes the traditions in which it is engaged, the conversation partners that it has, and how it perceives itself in relation to other poets and poetry. So when you think of this as a poem, what kinds of traditions does it engage in? What kinds of conversations is it having with other poetry? That's, I think that's the most important question. And I think the reason I'm so drawn to the poem is because for me, it's a very social poem. And when I say that, I just mean that this is a poetic speaker who is clearly interested in the voices of other people in the world, Mm -hmm. (laughs) outside of her own head. So we have this, I think we have this hangover from romanticism where we imagine that lyric poetry, you know, these brief lyrical utterances of intense private emotion, that that's what poetry is all about. And Uh absolutely, like that is a through line in poetic tradition that is super important, this notion that a poem could be emotion recollected in tranquility, but that is by no means the only kind. The other through line to consider is a more socially engaged poem, the one that locates us in a particular time and place. And in this case, we know right away where we are. We're in the Albuquerque Airport Terminal, Gate A4. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, and, And this is the 21st century. And in very subtle ways, this poetic speaker who is Naomi Shihab Nye, who is Arab-American, she very subtly suggests, oh, should I answer the call that's on this public announcement? One one pauses these days. Well, what, what does these days mean? These days suggest sort of perhaps a post-9-11 moment uh-huh. where there could be some bias against an Arab-American person. And so that already kind of creates a tension or concern in the poem. But the other thing that makes this social is that Naomi Shihab Nye 
I is willing to and eager to incorporate dialogue into this poem from the older woman that she encounters, encounters that she's having with other individuals at Gate A4. It's mm-hmm. it's wonderful what happens here. Yeah, and there's no better place to go and get a sense of the social world than an airport, right? I mean, that's where everybody <laughs> comes together from all over the place. It's it's a forced temporary community of strangers. And that's what we have here. And and really, that starts to lay out the tension of the poem, because precisely the fact that everybody is a stranger at the opening of the poem makes her hesitate for a moment to answer yeah. the call. And one of the things I love about this that I think still situates it within the world of poetry and in the traditions of poetry, I totally agree. This is a totally social poem. And at the same time, it's a poem about the poet coming to a realization. We find out at the end of this poem that she really is having an argument with herself. Not everything is lost. We find out that she was contemplating that possibility. And I feel like the poet, by engaging in this social world, is actually also having an argument with herself that she is surprising herself with an answer to by the end. Yes, and it's a very life-affirming answer. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I looked around that gate of late and weary ones, and I thought, this is the world I want to live in, the shared world. Not a single person in that gate, once the crying of confusion stopped, seemed apprehensive about any other person. They took the cookies. I wanted to hug all those other women, too. This is actually a very humble, modest, poetic speaker, which she doesn't announce, but Clearly, you notice as you hear the poem, she's the one that catalyzed this transformation in these people because she was the one who answered the call. Sometimes the simplest thing is the most powerful thing. Mm. And so in the second stanza there, well, one pauses these days. There's actually this enormous tension there. Is she going to answer this call or not? Mm. And the thing that launches the whole poem is the shortest sentence in the whole poem, three incredibly short and simple words that are actually a really powerful action. I went there. Yeah. I went there. So she answers this call and that launches the poem. And so maybe another way to think about this poem is that it's it's also revels in in a certain sense in the simple. It's it's an incredibly accessible poem. We can follow it from beginning to end. When you think about what makes a poem accessible, what what comes to mind for you? For me, the most useful way to think about the accessibility of a poem comes from the great former poet laureate, Billy Collins. He says that when we think of this term accessible, I would suggest that accessible would mean easy to enter like a building. An accessible poem has a clear entrance, a front door through which the reader may pass into the body of the poem whose overall accessibility or availability of meaning remains to be seen and may vary wildly. I love that idea that accessibility could mean availability of meaning and that we could imagine metaphorically a front door to the building of the poem that's just wide open for us to walk into. Yeah, and then you can explore the poem in any number of directions once you're inside of it. Yes. Uh, And, you know, one of the things that strikes me about this poem, it, it has the feeling of fluency and of sheer remembrance, and yet every word is chosen. And so a thing to remember about every poem, but especially about poems that hide this fact, is that every word is chosen, every clause is chosen, it's there for a reason, which allows you to ask, why is this word there? Why is this clause included? It didn't have to be included, and yet here it is. 
So when we think about that, what sorts of words, clauses, phrases appear to you and, and strike you as meaningful in this poem? The biggest one, and I'm sure this must be on your list as well, is, again, very simple sentence, but not simplistic. There's a difference, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's when they're all sharing the mamul cookies and the sugar is covering everybody's hands. I love the surprise of the of the speaker when she says, to my amazement, not a single woman declined one, meaning one of the cookies. It was like a sacrament. That's so powerful. So see, this is a poem that still cares deeply about image, about detail, about similes, right? And as soon as I get to, it was like a sacrament. I'm like, okay, that's where everything clicks in. And that's what makes this a, a magnificent poem. The other thing I love about this poem is just that third stanza. She's still using line breaks to surprise you. So if you don't have the poem in front of you, this is where it, what it says. An old woman in full traditional Palestinian embroidered dress, just like my grandma wore, was crumpled to the floor, wailing, help. And you, you think that the help is coming from the woman on the floor. And then you go to the next line and it says, said the flight agent. And you realize the help is coming from the flight agent. She's she's the one who's asking for help. And then the flight agents say, what is her problem? She did this. And you realize the flight agent is the one who wants the solution. And yet the solution really needs to come for the woman who's crumpled on the floor and wailing. Yeah. Uh, and so she's still surprising you as a reader. Yeah. I love when a poem does more with less. And so look at, for example... I'll call it the second stanza, and then look at the final stanza, if you will. Both mm -hmm. of those are just one line long. Mm -hmm. So the, the second stanza, this is after she hears the announcement on the intercom. She says, well, one pauses these days. Gate A4 was my own gate. I went there. And we've already discussed how, how loaded that one line of poetry is, right? That it mm -hmm. gives you so much information in large part because it is a standalone line. The other sta only other standalone line in the poem is, this can still happen anywhere. Not everything is lost. The, the level of insight and drama in both of those single line stanzas is, it, it's just perfect mastery. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think with all that said, we should probably read this poem again. But before you read it, can I just offer this thought? So we're here in an airport where a plane is late, and it causes the entire scene that follows. And in general, about her poetry in general, Naomi Shiab Nye has this to say, which I think is perfectly applicable to this poem. She says, I love the times when someone or something is late. There's that rich possibility of noticing more in the meantime. Poetry calls us to pause. There is so much we overlook while the abundance around us continues to shimmer on its own. Mm. Would you read this poem for us again? Yes, I'd be delighted to. Gate A4 Wandering around the Albuquerque airport terminal, after learning my flight had been delayed four hours, I heard an announcement. If anyone in the vicinity of Gate A4 understands any Arabic, please come to the gate immediately. Well, one pauses these days. Gate A4 was my own gate. I went there. An older woman in full traditional Palestinian embroidered dress, just like my grandma wore, was crumpled to the floor, wailing, Help! 
said the flight agent. Talk to her. What is her problem? We told her the flight was going to be late, and she did this. I stooped to put my arm around the woman and spoke haltingly. Shudoa, shubid o kabiti, stani shwe, mid fadlik, shubid sewi. The minute she heard any word she knew, however poorly used, she stopped crying. She thought the flight had been canceled entirely. She needed to be in El Paso for major medical treatment the next day. I said, No, we're fine. You'll get there just later. Who's picking you up? Let's call him. We called her son. I spoke with him in English. I told him I would stay with his mother till we got on the plane and ride next to her. She talked to him. Then we called her other sons, just for the fun of it. Then we called my dad, and he and she spoke for a while in Arabic and found out, of course, they had ten shared friends. Then I thought, just for the heck of it, why not call some Palestinian poets I know and let them chat with her? This all took up two hours. She was laughing a lot by then, telling of her life, patting my knee, answering questions. She had pulled a sack of homemade mamul cookies, little powdered sugar crumbly mounds stuffed with dates and nuts from her bag, and was offering them to all the women at the gate. To my amazement, not a single woman declined one. It was like a sacrament. The traveler from Argentina, the mom from California, the lovely woman from Laredo. We were all covered with the same powdered sugar and smiling. There is no better cookie. And then the airline broke out free apple juice from huge coolers, and two little girls from our flight ran around serving it, and they were covered with powdered sugar too. And I noticed my new best friend, by now we were holding hands, had a potted plant poking out of her bag, some medicinal thing with green furry leaves. Such an old country tradition. Always carry a plant. Always stay rooted to somewhere. And I looked around that gate of late and weary ones and I thought, this is the world I want to live in. The shared world. Not a single person in that gate, once the crying of confusion stopped, seemed apprehensive about any other person. They took the cookies. I wanted to hug all those other women too. This can still happen anywhere. Not everything is lost. I love this poem. That's so good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> thank you. And thank you to HarperCollins Publishers for granting us permission to read this poem in this episode. You can learn more about Naomi Shiab Nye and see the text of this poem on the Poetry for All website at poetryforall.fireside.fm. And please remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you, as always, for listening.